Hello and welcome to Chasing the Peloton. I'm your host Peter and today I bring you a conversation with the filmmaker and cyclist Ryan Lagare. Ryan and I were both involved in the migration gravel race in Kenya in June this year and with the event only being four or five days with a lot of cycling we didn't actually get to spend much time with each other at all but then a few months maybe a few weeks after the race his film came out along with an article in the Radivist with whom he writes for came out and I was spellbound and I wanted to know more about him and how he got to be involved in filmmaking and cycling because as I say to him in the conversation um, the, the film that he produced best replicated my experience of the race in terms of the feelings and the emotions that I felt and he was able to convey in his film. So obviously that film is linked to in the description of the podcast and I urge you to go and have a look at it. So I reached out, we set up a conversation. This is a few months ago now, so I apologize that this hasn't come out sooner. And he's had a fascinating life that led him to the point where he was riding his bike in the Masai Mara and making a film of it. And we talked through that in this episode, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. We spent a lot of time talking. It's been very difficult to edit this down to a reasonable length of episode. There's probably a second bonus episode in here for sure. My massive thanks to Ryan for giving me his time. And please go and follow him. I will put links to where you can find out what he's doing and his work in the description. And without any more blurb, here is my conversation with Ryan. Well, for the for the purpose of setting the scene and those who who uh, are listening to this, perhaps you could briefly introduce yourself and and let let us know where you, where you where i'm speaking to you from i'm currently based in portugal uh, okay. in a small surfer's village up uh, just over lisboa uh, near ericeira which is the world surf reserve uh, area yeah and uh, i've been living in portugal since now two years uh we lived first in uh, lisboa which was very convenient when traveling a lot because i was basically living five minutes away from the airport mm. so i could leave my house like one hour before uh boarding uh which was always like kind of stressful but at the same time very fun and uh yeah i uh i've always been making films uh i'm a filmmaker cameraman i edit my films a bit I do a little bit of pictures and I write uh, for the Radavist, uh, a website uh, focusing on outdoor cycling, adventure, um, that kind of things in America. And uh, yeah, I was not always into uh, cycling. Obviously, I, I, I started my career in uh, theaters, contemporary dance and mm. uh and the music business a lot also uh, i was uh, i i was on tour for like almost three or four years i think so i, I didn't even have an apartment at the time uh i lived the uh, luxurious hobo <laughs> life make was with music band and uh what was the band i i toured a lot with damon rice oh really? okay cool 
Yeah, we worked together uh, very closely for like uh, around six years, I think. Uh, we're nice. very good. Yeah. I was working in, in that. Um, it was great. And uh, at the same time, it was uh, very tough uh, landing back from the music industry. At some point, I uh, I had to get an apartment again. I yeah. didn't know even where to live. And I had like about one year uh, ahead of me with like staying in one place and editing and uh at the time i chose to go back to brussels in belgium where i had been studying mm. and um yeah a little bit later i could f- i skip a few years because they're not fun uh i ended up like um working in tv i was working for um, lifestyle magazines making like uh culture uh, reports and portraits of people in general like so it, it was like I had this specialty um, they called it like everyday heroes kind of things uh, where I was basically um, making portraits from uh, any kind of person with a good story uh, mm. and it ended up being a, a really interesting mix of people uh, from uh, singers uh, music musicians to chefs to painters writers refugees uh activists um any kind of artisan uh so i was doing a lot of portraits i was doing that and one day i um i chose to make a portrait on um on a bike messenger okay yeah and it, it, it was an incredible encounter with this bike messenger in Brussels, which was, he, he was really famous. He was very charismatic. Uh, everybody was drawn to him. And it was at the start of the Fixie uh, thing. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just met him, uh, made a little interview with him, made some shots. And I was like, gosh, that looks like a cool job. Yeah. Like, just in your bike to town, in the hustle and bustle and like, you know. It's a hobo lifestyle again, a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was exactly that and uh and i remember telling him like wow you, you have a cool job and he was like well why don't you try and i was like i don't know maybe because i'm slow and i don't know the city that well and he he just took me under his wing and he teach me the ropes he showed me that uh you didn't need to be that fast you needed to be uh organized and uh focused and little by little, I started working for his company, and that became my side job. But that became like my dream job. It's it's still to this day, and I mean, it's it's funny to say because I mean I've been like uh, you know I, I did a few things that that could come across as like dreams, you know. Like I mean, yeah. they were my be on tour with a band making a film was my main dream as a teenager, and I ended up doing it really at. Uh, in, in good conditions, but being a bike messenger is the best job I have ever had. Wow. It is the most incredible job you can have. You ride your bike all day, comes rain, comes shine. You get uh, you get loads of stresses, and uh, you get to this point where it's it's, it's very similar to to uh, to distance races, where you're in the moment and nowhere else. Yes. Like there it's raining you have like a very important hard drives from a production company that needs to be delivered really fast 
the other side of town and yeah you just get into the zone and the day goes like this and you don't feel the cold you don't feel the heat uh and it's it was fantastic and and by doing this job i um i'm sorry that's going to be a long introduction no i like it <laughs> but uh yeah by doing this job i started enjoying cycling more and uh and that messenger who owned that company was an ex pro he was a, a Finnish guy. Uh, he was half Finnish, half German, and so he he enjoyed road cycling uh, primarily. That was that was where he came from. He just became a bike messenger because mm. he knew how to ride a bike, and he was obviously with his German side very well organized. So he created a company in a city that had absolutely no bike messengers. I mean, Brussels is the capital of Belgium, which I think is the country of cycling, obviously. Yeah. And Yet the capital of the country of cycling doesn't really have bike messengers. Um, we're talking like 15 years ago or 10 years ago, maybe. And so he starts this company out of nowhere and, and he manages to, do, to, to get rolling. And I get on that. And by getting to do that, I actually start uh, riding also on Sunday mornings. Like we go into the countryside in Flanders uh, on those classic roads and on those yeah. cobbled and he shows me around and I, I i get hooked on on that too like um i get a road bike with gears because it's better and uh <laughs> i start doing that and i think he's the first guy who mentioned the transcontinental but he didn't mention it in a good way he was like yeah you know there's this guy that is going to come and ride with us he's crazy he, he wants to do uh, transcontinental so uh, he's coming with us to do his recovery rides. And, uh, and I was like, Transcon what? And he was like, oh, that's a, that's a stupid race. Like, it's, it's a crazy thing. Like, they cross Europe. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> we had the same beep short every day. That's not good. Like, you don't even want to talk too much about that with him. And, of course, I talked about it with him. And then he showed me uh, a few links and a few things about that race. And I discovered the, the, the pictures of Kimi McMillan. And I was drawn to that. I mean, there was something about it. It was like hobo times 10. It was like, <laughs> and it, it was, it, it mixed so many things that I had been like kind of fascinated with like touring uh, <laughs> and waking up in a different place every day, which I loved to hate and uh, hated to love. Mm -hmm. And uh, this hobo thing of like, uh, like a bike messenger, you're all day on your back, you're, you're come rain, come shine, comes hunger, comes thirst, anything. You just keep at it. And I, I was fascinated. I, I'm, uh, I'm from Brittany in France and uh, we're sailors in, in Brittany. And for me, there was, there was, a, there was a sort of an echo in, in, in ultra distance and sailing. It was like, you just take the road and, and you go and you get tired, hungry, whatever, but you just stay on that road, you're moving. And, uh, and it was beautiful. And so I, uh, that guy convinced me uh, that I should do it. And because uh, I was doing long rides, I was doing like those 300 kilometers rides around Belgium and Holland. And, and he was like, you should totally do it. You're totally ready for that. And obviously I was not at all. And uh, to this day, I blame him for my, uh, <laughs> for my accident. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, so I, I registered and I got, I, got, I got a spot. So I was like, okay, I cannot turn back. Uh, and so I did the race uh, less or minus you know like um, 
I, I, I blocked my back like two weeks before the, the start. I slipped the disc, so I, I couldn't walk much. I couldn't stand much. Uh, I could stand like, I remember on the start line, I could, I could stand like about 10 minutes. And then right. I had to like lay down. But on the bike, I was all right. So I, I, I took it. I did it. Uh, I didn't finish it. I, I did half of it. And it was, yeah, it was just, it, it switched my life. And when I came back from that, I was like, oh, I want to focus on cycling. I want to yeah. focus on filming cycling, photographing cycling. And just, yeah, I because I, I saw something happen to me there, which was like, I had started getting bored in TV. I had started like, you know, reproducing the same tricks in portraits and stuff and like getting a bit tired and bored with it. And getting too comfortable, like you know, you weren't learning up. anything. There weren't any any new challenges to to. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was such a cool job. Like you get to meet people. You're at concerts, or you're in like super fancy restaurants, making friends with a chef. Yeah, and digging into their life, and 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 you really make amazing friends when you ask. You you must know, like when you ask people to tell you their lives, instantly there's a connection. Yeah. And, and so it was it was great fun, but in terms of filmmaking, I was starting to get bored. Like the, the show was not evolving anymore. I had I had I had kind of done everything I could on it. And I had uh, yeah. And so when I came back from that, I really the this kind of experience like makes you realize that if you can go through all the the hell you went through, well, changing a few things in your life is not gonna be really that hard. It's no. like it's and 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 that's what happened i came back and i was like, i want to focus on cycling i want to find a way and my wife was super supportive and uh and she helped me and 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 i started like writing for the writer list almost immediately uh and little by little uh in a few months i was i was on shoot i was like uh, going to oman for my first shoot on a on a bikepacking race uh, with a with one of my messenger colleagues who was right. also getting ill, and so we yeah we started like filming races and we got hooked, and uh, we loved also like doing all the picture work, the Instagram work, the the the, the live storytelling of the race. That was that was probably the biggest fun, even more than filming, was like to to tell the stories of what's happening to people who are like a, a, a thousand miles away. And we were doing basically what Dot Watcher is doing, but live and on 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 the ground, so with access uh, to the stories in 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 uh, first hand. Yeah, and and that yeah, that's that's how I got into cycling and, and cycling films. Well, I was curious because uh, clearly there's there's an artist in you, and there's also a cyclist in you. I was curious to know what came first, but it sounds like it was the um, the creative side, and. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah, it, 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 our connection comes from the migration gravel race. So if I bring us into the here and now, shall we say, well, a month afterwards, um, how much of these races are you doing and how much are you filming? It kind of like the reason I ask is because you yeah. took part in the migration gravel race. Yes, you, you also filmed, created an a awesome film and uh, took some cool pictures, but you also took part in the race. Is that is that typical for you or is that this kind of... Um, non-typical uh i hope it becomes typical yeah. uh, that really um to be really honest with you when i came back from the transcontinental I, I, 
my dream in my head was like, how cool would it be to be actually doing that for a living, going on to those adventures, on to yeah. those races? I mean, the race, the racing part is is just one side of it, but just exactly like being a bike messenger, doing that for a living. And that was that was a dream that I kind of quickly forgot because I was too shy for it. And so I went into doing what I knew how to do, which was like uh, filmmaking and taking pictures and, and yeah, telling stories in a way. And I, I didn't dare to even dream of that anymore. I was like, well, I want to make films, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's something when you film people doing something you love, like um, whether it's music, cooking, whatever, um, you film with a great deal of frustration, uh, which I think makes it beautiful sometimes. Uh, but it's also hard to deal with. Like I was, I when I was filming um, people on stage, I always had this like this urge, like, oh my god, I I, I don't want to be filming this. I want to be doing that, I, yeah. you know. But I don't sing well, or I I don't dance that well, and um, and so I ended up filming, and I don't cycle that well. So you know, I always like there's this kind of like ah, I can't do that. But uh, but I knew I could do long rides. And uh, so, yeah, so how it happened, uh, how it switched is is uh, is COVID, actually. Uh, when COVID happened, I, all the races got canceled, obviously. Yeah. And when races were not canceled, uh, it was a bit late uh, to get on a plane and go shoot them. Or oh, it was complicated. Anyways, like a lot of things just didn't happen anymore. Yeah. And I left alone in Portugal during lockdowns, not really knowing what to do. Uh, writing bits, editing bits, you know, like doing a few things like that. But um, then uh, Lion from uh, Shift Cycling Culture asked me like, hey, do you want to make one of those little videos we ask uh, filmmakers in cycling to do where basically you film like where you ride and mm-hmm. uh, attract attention on, on, you know, trying to keep this planet uh, clean uh, for us in terms of, of, of riders. And I, I looked at the other films and I was very shy. I was like, Lion, I don't have a, I don't have a great drone. Uh, I, I, I ride around in Portugal, but I, I don't really know how to do that. And she was like, just, just do it. You'll just find it. Yeah. I got a small camera and I took my photo camera and I started like, yeah, filming myself a bit on ride. And the point was not to film myself, but it was like, yeah, just to do that little film. Mm. And the the feedback from it was really encouraging. I had the the, the people from uh, bikepacking.com writing to me saying, oh, we loved it. And then I had friends who, who who have never been into cycling. And it was, oh, that was fun to watch, man. That, that was really nice. So I just started doing that a bit more. Mm. And little by little, um, I had like sponsors I've been working with, uh, I mean, brands that I've been working with who were like turning to be interested in sponsoring. And I have a, a good friend um, from, uh, from the Netherlands who, who lived just next to me in, uh, in Portugal and who's also a ultra-distance cyclist and who's been working in communication. And he was like, oh man, I know somebody at Albion and I know somebody in this communication uh, two-tone team in, uh, in Holland. Let me hook you up. And he started hooking me up and then it started like... Um, becoming serious like uh albion started sponsoring and producing uh the videos uh richie which i was in touch was uh also helping hunt which i was in touch with was started to help also miss grape started to help and then it became this rolling thing of of different sponsors 
helping to make those videos happen where I was just like filming myself being miserable on rides. Mm -hmm. And I was really into the idea because I thought like, well, I film a lot of champions. Yeah. <laughs> those guys, like, and, and nobody can really, I mean, yeah, a lot of good psychics can relate to that, but like, it, it doesn't sell it to me. Like, you know, it doesn't sell it to my friends. Yeah. And what happened was that like, um, yeah, by filming myself failing, I was like, this could be actually interesting for others. And, and, and my wife was like, ah, finally an interesting cycling film. Uh, and that really helped me like getting a bit more confidence in it yeah. in faith. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the whole idea of it is, is, is to show people that like, um, yeah, don't listen to like failing was not an option or like, yeah, uh, yeah you know, like, uh, Pain is temporary, but like scratching is forever. Like, no, just actually accept that you might fuck up, you might fail, you might crash, you might not be fit enough. Yeah. But hell, you might stay on your couch, and that's much more boring than suffering in 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 a long race. And and with COVID, um, yeah, I was encouraged to film my rides, and I was also really interested in um, in showing this idea that adventure is just around the corner. Just get yes. your bike the city and and that's how it started for me then you get in the countryside and, mm. and it's a breath of fresh air and and we we all need that uh especially at the moment and i was like well maybe there's a there's a message that's worth like filming myself because because i'm not good at selfie things and stuff like that i was not i was really uncomfortable with the idea but it just happened and it it it, it was very encouraging and i was like okay well then I'm becoming the subject of some of the films I make. Okay, fair enough. Like if, mm. it, if anyone can get like a kick out of it and be like, oh shit, like maybe I should do the migration gravel race next year and 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 whatever if I don't manage, like it it's fun. It's fun to fail. It's fun yeah. to try that are just too hard for you and that you wouldn't dare to. It's really like uh, and that's what I did on the transcontinental. I I went on that was my first ever race. All dimensions of racing involved like i had never raced anything yeah. not even as a bike messenger nothing and uh so it was my first sportive in a way and it was massive but uh but failing at it just just opened my eyes on on life and like how we we have to dare like we have to we have to take a lunge and risk falling i wonder uh in, in hearing you talk because you've done this failed series and the migration graph race was the fourth episode of it. If I'm right in thinking, I wonder if it's your background in creative and art fields where I think failing is a lot more accepted, shall we say compared to um, elite sport or, or, or cycling. Um, whereas if, if you're starting out as a kid uh, cycling kind of not coming first it's not necessarily a bad thing, but kind of like not fit yet. Like you're always encouraged to finish or you're always encouraged to get it done. And it's, it's not like you're discouraged from failing, but, but failing is seen as potentially could be seen as weakness. And I think that that's something that is, is part of sport, shall we say. But I think within creative pursuits, it's, it's recognized more as a, a necessary part of the creative process. Um, I, I wonder if you'd agree with that. Yeah, it's uh, there's a quote that I've always loved, and that's been like my motto for like uh, all artistic process. It's from Samuel Beckett, and yeah. he wrote 
fail again, fail better. And he wasn't really failing. I mean, he, he just had so much respect for his craft that he knew you can always do better. And, and you will never do better if you don't fail. Mm. And you stay in your comfort zone. And that is in art definitely like something that you have to go through. I mean, I, I've made a bunch of, and I'm still doing it, like films that people look at and they're like, what the hell is he even trying? All the pictures I usually keep from a race or all the all the pictures I select, I usually failed. They're like, they're they're missed like um and and this to me came really quickly when i was like uh really much starting photography and i remember i really had a feeling that i had absolutely no skill for it no talent and my dad who was working in the business always told me that i had no skill for it <laughs> so i had harder than many people he, he, he was wasting film and uh but then i found out that like some of the pictures that I really loved were accidents. Like I would have pressed the button totally yeah. by accident. And instead of taking a picture of my girlfriend, I would have this snapshot of the homeless guy in the background looking at people passing by. Or, uh, you know, like, like accidents like that were actually really touching me. And they were really much more beautiful than anything I would ever try to make as a picture. And I, and I learned that Losing control in art, or art is a big word, but in any creative uh, creative thing, is definitely um, yeah, it's it's a requirement. It's possible to control what you do and to have like a really good, uh, really good technique and maybe a good angle, but there's often for me at least much more happening into accidents much more happening into me losing control over what i'm trying just happening by itself and that's where i find usually the beauty of it and i think it's the same in a bike ride like you might start the day and it feels like shit and you're like i should just give up and actually two hours later you have totally lost control you have totally lost your hopes on making a score or catching up the peloton or doing a good time or even just doing a good average speed, but suddenly you're like in the moment and you're really enjoying and the sun comes out and, yeah. and you're like two hours ago, I was about to give up and, and, and it's an accident. You didn't give up for some reason and, and something beautiful came out of it. You just trusted the process yeah. and, 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 and let kind of, I think that's, that's one of the great things with cycling is you can just, you can just let your, you can let your mind wander a little bit and then let your legs take over. And then kind of 10 minutes later, you're, you're well physically in a different space, but more importantly, potentially mentally in a different space. With this um, fail four episode with the migration grave race, did you go into it knowing the kind of film that you wanted to create? Well, are, are you setting out to fail, or are you setting out expecting to fail, or are you setting out hoping not to fail but knowing you might? What's the what's the mindset? <laughs> That's that's the that's the I am not setting up myself to fail. Uh, sometimes the failure is, is just a little thing. Like there was uh, there was this challenge on the on a on the N two thirty in Portugal, and my GPS just died. Right. Uh, but it recorded the ride. But I just failed because I took a I took a wrong turn for five hundred meters. I didn't really fail. I did the ride. You know, yeah. like they. Not really failing, but 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 failing is always like an option, and it's always very much accepted. And the more the more I do it, and yeah, the more I want the the challenge to be almost impossible. 
so the migration problems was like a, a, a jump up in that in that supposed to be soft progression. It was like was really like okay, let's take it a notch up. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't I don't really set up to fail, but I set up to do something that involved a great deal of potential fails. Um, and then in terms of like the shots and the way I, I don't really have like a, a very clear concept uh, about how I want to uh, how I want to do it. it. It comes a bit instinctively, but I've noticed, for instance, like little things that I don't do, like uh, like I did. And then when I was editing, I was like, no, no way I do that. Like, for instance, setting up the camera, coming back 15 meters and shooting myself climbing. The last 15 meters of a of a call. I'm like, no, I I just it's too fake. I can't yeah, I don't yeah. I comment failing, but faking is, is something I try not to do. <laughs> uh, like uh, also like you know, um sometimes I'll, I'll film my face and I'll be like, you know, whoa, I'm just trying to look miserable right now. So that's that no, don't fake it. Um but really setting the camera up for the shot. I I I wanna film them like I wanna enjoy doing it. And I don't particularly enjoy filming my rides. Um, I don't particularly enjoy taking pictures on a ride. It's uh, I enjoy riding. It, it, it started as a hobby, even yeah. if it was a like messenger. But it started as a hobby, and taking work on board was not really my my intention, uh, or it was not like really easy or fun. But so I try to do it in a way that I'm enjoying it because uh, I think it will always work out better if you if if I'm enjoying it. And so I don't I don't set up shots. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I try not to fake. I try not to stage. I, I see other people do it and it's great. It's uh, and they enjoy doing it. And I'm I'm really uh, I appreciate that. But on my in my experience, I don't enjoy faking it. Like if I'm pushing my bike, uh, I'm happy to film myself, but I'm not going to put the camera down. I'm not going to take that extra time. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel it. So that's something that I don't do. Um, and it's the same way, you know, I want to get a drone. Uh, I want to have a drone, but I want to make like two shots with a drone in a day. I don't want to spend my time filming myself with a drone. I film something else with a drone. Yeah. Then Things that I don't want to do, I don't want to have a set uh, format where it's like it's a six-minute piece and yeah. always introduction. It's not a vlog, so I, I've I've done like very long episodes of twenty minutes where I would talk a lot to the camera, and I've done episodes of two minutes where I don't talk to the camera at all. Uh, and 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 I love that. I love to, and that's what I always uh, discuss with uh, anybody who wants to produce or sponsor this. It's like I I have no set uh, plan and mm -hmm. uh, I can go and, and maybe film myself or me and friends for seven days and if I don't have a film I don't have a film if I have like a few pictures and an article I have a few pictures and an article if I have a film but no article I just I can't force I can't fake it because because that's not part of the message no it, I, it's, I, uh, yeah yeah I, oh I mean hearing you talk this authenticity thing kind of comes comes all the way through and i think that is again comes back to what i said about um this film of yours that it's the the, the by far and away the closest reflection of my experience of the race if if you'd have done it and 
you'd have filmed, you'd have put the camera down and then walked back down the climb and cycled back up again. I'd be like, oh, he, like he had enough energy to to do that. Yeah. And then yeah. you lose, I mean, you lose that element of, it takes you out of the moment because you're kind of thinking, oh, how did that shot happen? Whereas every shot in there is uh, is true and is, 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 is from your perspective. And I can put myself in that perspective. And I think it then really heightens the i'm not going to say tension but yeah it, it it draws you in so much because there's there's nothing fake in it and i think what you then kind of add on top of it which really takes it to the next level is the the sound design um and the the tension and the release that you create with that and i guess that comes also comes from your background with with being with music and 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 enjoying music and and that kind of thing as well right yeah, uh, yeah. Sound, sound is uh, uh, is is really tricky. Like, uh, and I'm I don't think I'm good with it, but I try to use it uh, in a way that I that I enjoy it. But yeah, um, to come back to what you were saying, yeah, I think that before they even films their rights, and therefore they have to be rights. Not, not it's not a film shoot, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's frustrating for me because I'm a filmmaker, and sometimes I see something, and I'm like. Well, I would have to stop. I would have to get the camera out. I would have to, and I'm like, no, I can't. I'm the right. This is not a film. So, switch off the, the this mode. But if I see something beautiful that I want to take a picture of, that's part of the ride for me because that's something I might do on a ride, uh, or that's something that we all do on a ride. We look, yeah, yeah. we more, we look more around. We're like, we 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 a bit more aware of the surrounding. Yeah. yeah. So you're a cyclist with a camera, not a filmmaker on a bike ride. Well, I guess I'm a bit of both, but <laughs> I'm I'm trying to 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 really focus on the ride and yeah. and, and definitely yeah, these films before being films are rides, and that's also why the the, the, the medium or the format is totally uh, floating. It can be it's sometimes it's more writing, sometimes it's more pictures, sometimes it's more film. It's really a mix in between like those things that I do, and and it's set free from from any intention. Mm. I think. And it must be quite satisfying now that, like you mentioned, a load of brands are coming on board to sponsor you and like what you do. This is this is something that these are skills that you've you've worked all your life on and now you're timing you're you're matching it with uh cycling, which is clearly a passion of yours. And now it's resonating with people that um it must feel yeah, quite satisfying. I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, I really, I'm very grateful uh, for that for for many reasons. Like, uh, okay, I, I mean, it's it, it's it's my job, it's my work to tell stories, maybe and things. But why I'm so grateful is that I am not a fit cyclist. I'm an overweight uh, beer drinker, smoker, pizza eater. I enjoy life a bit too much, and I don't find uh, in the imagery of cycling, a lot of people who have a belly. I don't find a lot of people who struggle and who, you know, like, and who doesn't, who don't fit that, like, shaven leg and, you know, like, popping veins and, like, uh, absence of fat anywhere. I don't find it often in the imagery of cycling. So I really appreciate when a brand comes and they're like, yeah, we want to put clothes on you. 
And yeah, we want to be part of this project. And yeah, we believe in failing. And yeah, we believe in like, uh, our, actually, all customers are not uh, all Primoz Roglic. Yeah. And, and actually, a, a lot more people cycling today are mammals. And they look a bit more like me than Chris Froome. And, yes. and so I really appreciate because I think that they, we have to include a bit more uh, who's riding the bike. <laughs> and 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 there is a lot more people that could benefit from not only riding the bike, but not being ashamed of like going yeah. for, for a bike ride, not being ashamed of trying to do a race where there is like Ian Boswell uh, taking part, you know, like uh, not being ashamed of like lining up with a bunch of like superheroes and just accepting that you do what you can. Yeah, I think that's a really really good yeah. point and if you look at what's happened the last 18 months or so so many more people have taken up cycling or well maybe i haven't taken up cycling they've bought bikes and the 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 goal to get these people that have bought bikes and maybe gone on a few bike rides to actually become cyclists is gonna it's gonna be showing them role models that are a lot more like them and showing them stories that relate to them a lot more i think uh it's it's something that's been talked about quite extensively within the last few years about cycling being how inclusive it is and how open it is and does it represent all types of people whether it's race gender body type or whatever else like that and there's certainly a shift in like you just alluded to with with brands recognizing that the customers are coming all shapes and sizes but also i think it's necessary and this is something that i i aim to do with this podcast as well is is share stories of people that aren't what you would see on the Tour de France. But it's people who are who are doing cool things on bikes that uh, don't necessarily get the kind of the, the normal publicity. But if someone who's just started, who's just got a bike and wants to get into cycling, sees it, says, "Oh, that's someone that looks more like me. I want to go and join them on a ride, or I want to go and replicate what they're doing in my town." Um, and I think that's something that. Uh, yeah, hearing you talk and seeing what you've done is 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 a, is it going to be a key part? And uh, it's awesome to see see you doing that because I think these are the stories that are going to resonate with a group of people that that cycling the, the normal cycling stories aren't going to be resonating with. Yeah, I really hope so. I really hope it 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 encourages people who who wouldn't dare otherwise, and and that seeing me struggling but enjoying it uh, might make them yeah you know question their hesitations well i'll ask you one last question for people starting out or for people wanting to to pursue a passion that is whether it's cycling related whether it's photography related filmmaking music anything that is has some creative um element to it what, what would be your your advice if, if you were to have any I, oh wow yeah um i <clears throat> maybe i started the fail series because i failed at a lot of things I've, i i i failed at film uni i failed cinema university i failed film school i failed art school and so i got out of high school uh, with my baccalaureate in France. And then I got no diploma whatsoever. But I quickly understood that 
I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I wasn't going to be a doctor. I was, I was going to be a filmmaker. And schools were just one aspect of it. You could learn it in many different ways. And yeah. I remember once uh, one of my favorite uh, filmmakers at the time was Michel Gondry. And I remember that somebody asked him exactly that question. And he was like, just get a camera and shoot. Just get a camera, go out, shoot. Make films with your neighbors, with your friends, with whatever. And I've tried that and it worked. I just did it. And I just kept at it. When my dad was telling me I was, was wasting film, I kept at it. When school was telling me I was not meant to be a filmmaker, I kept at it. When art school got boring, I kept at it. When my photography teacher was like, this is not a picture, I kept at it. When I got like basically kicked out of film school, I kept at it. And then eventually I started working and I kept at it. And even when you when you get into the job, like you might have like temptations on the sides, not temptations on the sides, but temptations like alluring you into something else. Like I, I started, like when I came back from the, music tour and i took like a maybe a three or four years break from filmmaking i got into tv and it was great and then i worked a bit with mtv and it was fun and then i did a little bit of corporate and it was good money yeah but definitely one day i received a phone call from a bank and not to complain about my bank account but a bank who wanted a corporate and then i i, I remember hanging up and i turned to my wife and i was like I got to do something before it becomes different. And so I stopped doing any kind of corporate, any kind of money gig. I didn't do much, but I started doing just a few. And suddenly that, that's what people were asking me. So if somebody asked me, like, what do you think someone should do? It's like, just do exactly what you want and just do only that. Because nobody will ask a, a, a baker for a steak. Nobody will ask a shoemaker for a hat. Yeah. And if you do a hat, maybe people will like the hat and they will ask you to do that. And before you know it, the hat brings you money, it brings you stability. And, and in all line of jobs, stability is so hard to find. I mean, there's no stability. So you also have to accept that. Like, it's a super hard line of work, but I've, I think it's it's probably less hard than, than doing the same job your whole life. And, and yeah, if that's if that's what someone wants to do, someone just got to do it. Just got to do it, do it, do it, do it. And, yeah, don't stop doing it. You know, like, I think the best advice is Nike's uh, thing. Just do it. But just do it a lot. Just do it. It's like, it's, it's an amazing three words, but they do, I think, work. It's like... Um, when I shifted to cycling, I mean, yeah, okay, I, I had experience as a filmmaker and stuff, but I knew no one. And it was really like, okay, let's tap into this world. And yeah, I just I, I just kept at it. And, you know, I, I went back to my messenger friends, took pictures of them, wrote their stories, interviewed them, you know, tried to build something. Then I got on the right of it. Then that opened a few doors, obviously. Um, but But yeah. I try to I try to just do it, do it a lot. I don't believe in uh, you know people will always tell you like you gotta work hard. No, you don't. Like you have to work well. You have to you have to enjoy your work. Yeah. Once you work hard and you're getting super bored of 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 it, usually your editing turns to shit, and you leave it for two days and you get back at it and maybe you had a party or something and you're feeling light and 
and then you enjoy and in one hour you get it done and it's much better so yeah have fun don't work hard <laughs> that would be anyone don't work hard because hard work like gets you tired fun work enjoy it you know like uh, really enjoying like uh you know like we don't smile at people frowning we don't uh we smile at people smiling so if you smile first people smile back i say yeah. this but always have a frown on my face and my wife tells me i look like i'm grumpy all the time so <laughs> But in, in my work, I really try to enjoy it as much as I can. And, and, and if for some reason I'm doing something that I don't enjoy, either I stop right away or I sh try to shift it and, and, and try to find it back. And so, yeah, really, yeah, that, that would be my advice. And I think it's a great advice also for cycling. You're having a shit time on the mountain. Like I, I've done that recently. I was having a shit time on a mountain and I was like, oh my gosh, this day. I actually I was on the migration race also. Like, mm. And then I just looked around and I was like, you stupid idiot, just look around. You're in Kenya on top of a 3,000 meters mountain. You can see Tanzania. Who cares you're having a hard time? You know, yeah. he got to mine 16 cows and he's going to be like uh, circumcised in two weeks. You know, like who cares? Have you little your little struggle you know yeah. like and and i looked at the mountain i looked at the landscape i looked at tanzania and i was like damn like this is great and this is fun and suddenly i was not tired anymore i was i wasn't feeling the pain anymore i was just enjoying it and so yeah i really like i think whatever you do if you, if you stop enjoying don't do it and if you can shift it shift it and if you want to do it yeah you have to do it. You really have to do it. Don't let anybody tell you you cannot do it. So yeah, just do it. Uh, thank you, Ryan, again hey, for your time. You. I, it's really great to talk to you. Um, uh, it's, I'm glad so we got to talk because we didn't talk much during the race. But um, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just seeing the film, I was like, this is a guy that I want to know. Ah, <laughs> oh, so sweet, man. Thanks. Really appreciate. It. Awesome. Really. Thanks, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, and yeah. hopefully speak. Yeah. To, see you soon. All right, man. Bye. Bye. big thanks to Ryan again I found that a really insightful and enthralling conversation and I hope you did too as I said at the start um, I've linked in the description to the podcast links to where you can find more of his work and I encourage you to go and give him a follow and until next time keep chasing <laughs>